This is the Misdirected Mark Podcast, a podcast about gaming, game mastering, and entertaining you, our listeners. We are explicit, you have been warned, and I'd like to thank Mike Willard for letting us use his music on our show. Now let's pick up those mics and get on with this thing. Okay, so my new character, I'm thinking, I'm going to call him Harn Tigano. He's an archaeologist and a scavenger, and he went through the ruins of the first settlement looking for ancient tech. All right, cool, cool. I think that's a, I think that's a good concept. I like it. All right. Uh, he wasn't involved in the struggle against the Transhuman Corporation until his village was destroyed by TH hunters looking for rebels. Rockets took out the entire thing when they couldn't root the rebels out. So then Tigano turned his skills towards taking out the corpse. Cool. I like that. I like that. Um, and like a missile strike means like there were no bodies, right? Nobody's found. Cool. All right. Uh, what about you, Jerry? What do you got? Mm. Okay, I've got an idea. Kiris Girano is a corporate soldier. A trained hunter, killer, used to be a squad leader for Transhume, hunting rebels. Used to be. Okay, I think I like where this is going. Okay, okay. They did some bad things in the past, rooting out traitors and moles uh, in the TH organization. Um, then they followed some leads and took the squad to a village. When Rebel was uncovered, a firefight broke out, and Kiris ordered heavy ordnance in when the squad got pinned down. Uh, they thought that they would be getting aerial support from like a gunship with a Gatling laser gun, but it turned out that it was a torpedo barrage that wiped out the entire village. And they lost that many civilians, shot Kiris into realizing who they'd been working for. Oh. Oh, okay. Okay. Has Kiris told Harn? Uh, <clears throat> no. Uh, I don't think so. I, I think that uh, they know about Harn's story and not their friends. They don't know how to bring it up. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, I mean, that is something that we should actually like, just like we should play out of the table if you guys exactly. are comfortable with it. Yep. Yeah. So Gino's the next villain looking to make up for their past sins by joining the rebels. And they're also partially responsible for one of the pivotal tragedies of their best friend's life. Uh, and of course, um, they are past friends from uh, TH who are now trying to hunt down the new traitor. Is that okay with you, Bob? I mean, it's your backstory, too. I don't want to step on it. Yeah, that works. All right. With that, welcome to the 450th episode. 450th episode Doo-doo. of the Mr. Dr. Mark podcast. On tonight's episode, we delve into playing and GMing reformed villains as protagonists. Along the way, we'll take your questions, comments, and suggestions live from the chat room for life before jumping in the after show. But first, my name is Jerry. My name is Phil. And I am Old Man Logan. All right, welcome aboard 450. Who'd have thunk it? Ooh, it's a big round number. Nice. All right, time for that thing we do where we check everybody's temperature before we head on into the house, see how everybody's doing. Phil, how you feeling? Really? You want me to go first? <laughs> yeah, go first. Get it out of the way. I mean, you might as well are, you just... po- are you positive? <laughs> I'm not just positive. I'm no. not just positive. Well, we I'm COVID positive. Thank you. We're going to laugh about it a little, but um, uh, I am COVID positive. Um, I had a um, I had an indication that uh, I might be positive when my daughter uh, got a fever after school uh, last week. So um, since my daughter, uh, who is never uh, ever sick, um, got a fever. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm concerned. So I packed up, I was at work. I packed up my office, um, threw it in my bag, 
And uh, before I left campus, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go take a COVID test so that I know, um, no matter what, I'll know what my status was the day that she got a fever. So I I did that test like Thursday, I went home, I took Friday off because um, I had reported a close contact and work was like, you're vaccinated, you can come in. And I was like, nah, I don't think so. So I took a day off and just like chilled, which was nice, actually, I, I, I could have used a day off. My daughter went and got a PCR test. She tested positive. On Saturday, my test came back. I tested positive. So we think we kind of piece together some stuff. We think we kind of know the chain of events leading up to it. We're not 100% sure. Um, we The thing we know for sure is that we probably uh, infected each other, depending on which, like who got it first. We, had, we definitely infected each other because we were together on the weekend. And then I had my daughter over for dinner on Monday. So pretty sure that's how all that happened. Um, so anyway, um, I'm uh, in quarantine for 10 days. I'm basically just home uh, at my apartment, So, um, which is fine. I, <laughs> I've, I've been wanting to work from home since they made me go back to the office. Um, and because, you know, I live in capitalism uh, hellscape uh, and I'm, oh, I should say, I should pause for a second. I am asymptomatic. So I have no COVID symptoms whatsoever. Um, I feel fine. I don't have any uh, fever, congestion. I have my sense of smell and taste, like all that stuff, right? I'm like, I I would not have known that I was positive had it not been for my daughter's fever. As for my daughter, that fever went away in a half a day and she's like, just a little head congestion, um, nothing major. Full disclosure, because I think we've talked about on the show, we are both vaccinated, and I am more than confident that is the reason why both of us had, um, well, I had an asymptomatic case, and she had a very minor uh, case. So uh, vaccine did its job um, because I didn't even know I had, I didn't even know I was positive, right? Like, I just, I had no idea. So anyway, um, so anyway I'm home, and uh, because I'm fine. Um, I'm working. So, so I worked from home today and, uh, you know, I just, I, I left the, I've left the house for two minutes in the last couple of days. I took the garbage, uh, to the dumpster and, uh, timed it so that no one else was around. Like none of my neighbors, they all, they all have like, there's a routine in the morning, yeah. how everybody gets out of here. So I kind of waited till everybody was gone, put on a mask, walked out through my garbage took my car for a quick spin around the block because it hadn't been driven in about four days, put it back, came back in the house. Um, so we're okay. Um, I was a little shocked on Saturday. Like I was a little um, off, like, wow, I can't believe I, I got it. I, I'm, I don't really do anything very risky and I don't really go uh, too many places, but um, that's how this Delta thing works, man. It's insidious. It's fast. And um it's fast and it doesn't take much. It overpowered, um, it overpowered my, my base defenses, but, um, but did not make any traction once it tried to get into uh, Casa de Phil, uh, pretty much got bounced at the front door. So um, uh, house Pfizer, I, uh, I, I, I lay tribute to house Pfizer um, because I'm good. Like, I'm not saying people should run out and go get infected because I sure as hell would like to have not have been run out and get the shot though. (laughs) 
but I am, uh, but I'm a large man. Um, and you know, I don't know if I wanted to, you know, pit my immune system, um, in a blind fight with this virus. I kind of like having the edge. Um, so I don't know. I, um, I can't, I can't stress enough, right. Um, masks, social distancing, uh, be careful. And for God's sakes, go get your vaccination because the people I was in close contact with all tested negative. So like, that's also, um, I mean, that's also kind of a, a tribute because the people like I was at, I was near at work, they were vaccinated. They're fine. Like, I don't know what else to say. So anyway, um, so it was a little sobering. Um, I can't leave my house until Monday. <laughs> so of course, because I can't leave my house till Monday, I'm like, man, I would love a Starbucks. <laughs> like, it's like just the one, like everything else is fine. My, I, I had Chinese food delivered tonight and I'm, I'm going to order my groceries online and have them um, just put them on my patio. Um, and I'll, you know, I'll bring them in. Um, so I'm like totally fine in every other respect, right? Like everything else is fine, but man, could I go for like a, like a caramel Mac, like just, or a cold brew, um, pumpkin spice latte, you know, just, hmm. so that'll be on my list when I, uh, when I am, uh, freed from quarantine. Hmm. How about you guys? <laughs> well. Uh, I'm I'm doing pretty well. I'm tired. It was good. The, the weather up here in Buffalo has been up and down. So we're at that point where uh, my allergies kick in for a day or two. Whenever the weather changes drastically, like I'm good if it's raining all day. I'm good if it's sunny all day, snowing all day, whatever. But on those days when it goes from 70 to 30 and from sunny to partly cloudy to rainstorm, those are the days that my nose just kicks in. And uh so I, I I had like very little sleep Sunday night and last night, but I'm catching up to it. Things are going well. Um, those of you who follow me and some of the other things know that we had another personnel change at my office. We'll be having a new, a new person and new employees are always exciting. And uh, this one seems to be working out pretty well. So I like that. Um, and uh, I, I, so work has been very, very, very busy um, because obviously new employee means everybody has to, Step their game up for a few days, and um, we uh, is every you know because you're you're doing your job plus trying to answer questions for somebody new kind of thing, um, which is also why we do you know office lunches and stuff for everybody. But it's been nice. That's pretty much it. Other than that, I've just been having a good time. Um, so I'm I'm feeling okay now, and once I get a good night's sleep, I'll be good. I'll be back in back in business again. How about you, Bob? Yeah, I um. Uh, I, I first would like to say, like, clearly we, we made a joke at the beginning of the bit. Um, uh, we obviously are not uh, diminishing the, 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 uh, this COVID thing in any way, shape or form. It has been terrible to a lot of people. Um, some people use humor as a, uh, as a coping mechanism. I, for one, always do. It's one of my first yep. lines of defense. Um, so while we did make that gag at the beginning, um, we, we do take it all very seriously and, and we don't want to diminish this in any way, shape or form from anybody who may be having a much bigger problem or maybe has, you know, lost someone due to the disease or whatever. Like clearly that, that is not where we are going. Um, I personally am uh, uh, dealing with some kind of weird allergy freak out. Something in this condo decided it was going to just make my allergies go off and I don't know what it is yet. Um but it's it just been annoying for the last like day and a half. So, uh, 
I have to deal with that. But other than that, um, feeling pretty good uh, mentally, physically. Um, it's it's been it's been very mellow since everything kind of settled down once I got into the condo. Uh, while the work is not clearly done yet, I still have a lot of stuff to do. Uh, I've I've calmed down quite a bit. All of the anxiety of the move and all that stuff like that. Um, sleeping on a real bed has done wonders for my back and my neck. <laughs> so I'm not having like a lot of the the chronic issues that I've had plaguing me for quite a while. Um, so it's it's very nice to have you know mellow days where it's like you know I don't notice something bothering me. <laughs> so um, so that's good. Um, and that is uh, that is about it. So. Let's jump in, do the one thing. Um, mm -hmm. Got my plumbing problem fixed today. Um, Yay! Plumbers came in, took care of everything. Um, no more leaks. Yay! Um, knock on wood. <laughs> um, so hopefully that'll be the last of that. Um, got a few more things to take care of, but um, it was nice to scratch that off the list. And it wasn't... Uh, I, was ho I was concerned that once they got in and started looking at all the piping and everything and trying to figure out what was going on, that it would expand and become a bigger problem that they would have to fix more stuff and it would cost more money and take more time. And that was not the case. And, and I got out of it pretty easy. So, yay. So that is over and done with Jerry. So it's you? done. You can use, you can use, I can your use main... the main bathroom. Yeah. I can go and yay! use a big shower again. And... All right. <laughs> no more going in the secret bathroom. Yes. Yeah. All right. Um, for me, my one thing this week was star Wars visions. Um, I was excited to see if they were doing anything with Star Wars. I, I, that was the, that was the the movie. Star Wars for me was the what was what Lord of the Rings is for a lot of people of a different generation. It was my big movie, and I love everything they're putting there under the new license. Um, and when I saw they were doing something with with animation, I thought, well, let's see what they can do. Um, and I haven't watched all of it yet. Somebody wisely recommended not binge watching it because they're such different stories you can kind of lose what made each one special by watching too many at once so i watched the first three and the next two and oh my god i mean episode one right from the get-go blew my mind away i want to run a star wars game it's got characters it's got action it's got story it's got depth it's like 15 minutes long and tells an incomplete like like thing um it's got humor and then you know episode two was a totally different story and I mean, episode one is a Ronin story. Episode two is about a band. <laughs> it's it's that kind of thing. Um, and then I watched the next two episodes, which were also very good. So it's just amazingly good. I would strongly recommend it if you like if you like anime, if you like fun stories, if you like uh, Star Wars, if you like sci-fi. I would strongly recommend watching Star Wars Visions. Um, I'm not gonna say it's the best thing they've ever done, but it is so good, um, and it's a lot of fun. So that's all I'll say is just watch Star Wars Vision, enjoy it. Each episode is between 15 minutes and 25 minutes long. There's no fit length on them. And so you can watch them in little bursts. And it's a lot of fun. Phil. Uh, yeah, my uh, my one thing, um, not my uh, COVID diagnosis, <laughs> diagnosis. My one thing is I finished She-Ra over the weekend. Ah. Um yeah, I've been binging it um, mostly while eating meals and stuff. So like watching it on my iPad uh, at the kitchen table. But for um, for the finale, I saved the last two episodes to watch on uh, on TV, like, on, you know, on my big TV. So, um, oh, what a fantastic series. Um, yeah. The ending's fantastic. 
Um, I loved it. Um, the show is um, so wonderfully queer um, that I also just loved all of the queerness of that show. Uh, it ended. Um, it ended just the way I wanted it to. There was kissing. Um, there was. There were um, people I shipped shipped properly. Um, uh, the only one. There was only one that I suspect, like that I shipped um, on suspicion, but like no real positive confirmation. And since I, Jerry hasn't reached the end, I'll save it for. Uh, yeah, I'll save it for Bob for later. Um, but there was just two that I was like, oh, these two are, these two should just basically be a couple. Um, but mm-hmm. anyway, so good. Um, what a, um, what an amazing amount of story for what, a, what starts is like a pretty, like, I don't know. It starts like a kid's show um, and it ends like, I, I know it's technically still a kid's show, but man, like I show pack some drama. Mm-hmm. Um, it not only packs some drama, like there's like a whole deeper, um, oh boy, there's like a whole deeper thing about, um, about bad parental relationships and, oh man, like there's a lot of there's, layers to that show. There's a lot going on in that show. If you just like, if you just kind of watch the, um, the, uh, relationships between characters, like there's a lot going on in that show. Uh, I, I will probably at some point later, um, rewatch it um, just to see it again. But I um, was thoroughly thrilled. I had no doubt when Senda raved about it that I would enjoy it, but oh, such a joy. Um, and I'm very happy to have finished it. So that's all I will say about that. Cool, cool. All right. All right. Well, that is going to bring us to uh, a place that have we ever been in the land? I have before? no idea if we've actually used this place before. Um, I think I have a key for it on the ring. Um, here, let me open up the door. Take a look. I think somebody left something percolating. For how long? I have no idea. I don't know. Uh, flip on the lights. I'll flip on the lights. You introduce where we are. All right. <clears throat> Tonight we're here in the lab because we're going to try a new kind of segment. Uh, we started talking about a topic for this week. We toss ideas back and forth. And he came out of our comparisons of characters similar to the fallen hero from last week. Um, I suggest we talk about how to play a reformed villain as a character type. After we brainstormed a little, we realized we wanted to land a segment that would work not just for reformed villain, but any play, player background archetypes. Yeah, and that's when we got an idea for a new segment uh, to do on the show, uh, where we look at common player background archetypes and help both the player and the GM get the most out of that background. So tonight, we're unveiling our latest segment, Background Check. Uh, in this segment, um, for our first and pilot um, segment, we're going to look at the reformed villain, and we're going to tell you what you need in your backstory and hooks that you should give your GM so that they can work your backstory into the game. We're going to talk about cool story story arcs that this background can provide. We're going to talk about some pitfalls about this background and how to avoid them, uh, and then some tips on how to play this background harmoniously with the rest of the group. And then we'll finish it all off with a roundtable discussion talking about the fallen hero. Uh, with this being a new type of segment, we don't really know how long or short this is going to be. Like we're just going to do what we've got, um, what we've got written out. And uh, we would love to hear your feedback uh, on what you think about this segment. Um, and if you like it, um, toss us some other backgrounds that you would like to see added to the background check. Sound good? 
All right, cool. Good. So with that preface, we need to get started. Of course, like we do with all segments, we got to do a definition. Behold, you are in the presence of Definition Panda. Yeah, we don't have a lot to define here tonight. Um, we all know what a villain is, right? The bad guy in your game. Um, but let's take a quick look at the word reformed, having relinquished an immoral, criminal, or self-destructive lifestyle. There are a couple other definitions, but I really, that one was the, that one's perfect for what we're talking about tonight, right? So the reformed villain is someone who in their past was a villain in the terms, whatever that means in the campaign world, right? Bad guy. Just because you are a bad guy does not mean you are a bad guy. Um, so they've given up that past life of being a villain, a bad guy, to be something better. Um, and they may not be the t- they may not be the polar opposite of that, right? Like they may not have gone from like I was a villain, now I am like super good guy, right? Mm-hmm. They could be an anti-hero, right? Like they could, you know, they could like it, it's not a 180 flip, right? It, it, it can be, you know, it can be less drastic than that. It can absolutely be a 180 flip, but it could also just, you know, be an anti-hero, vigilante, something like that, right? But the key part is they're no longer an actual villain. Right. Are we all good on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, we brainstormed up a, um, we brainstormed up a bunch of villains from that we like kind of rounded up from uh, media and uh, we're just going to kind of run through them. Uh, I don't think we have to pause too much on them, but we'll just kind of, we're each going to just go around the table a couple of times talking about them. So I'll, I'll pick the first one, which is uh, Magneto, who has been a reformed villain at various times in the X-Men comics. Uh, Jason Bourne, who was a assassin for uh, Treadwell before uh, getting wonked on the head. True. Uh, you know what? I want to skip this one. This is actually kind of spoilery. I guess it's spoilery if you've ever seen Yes. I mean, there are people okay. that haven't seen the show yet. So, yeah. There's a character from She Ra. How yes, about that? There's a character from She Ra. <laughs> there's yes. a character from She Ra. There you go. Yes. Those of you who've watched She Ra will know what we're all talking about. Um, next one up uh, The Scarlet Witch from the MCU starts as a, a Hydra agent. Well, Hydra asset, I should say. Uh, Aaron Sun from, Star- from Farscape, who starts out as uh, part of the enemy empire before joining the team. Yeah, Peacekeeper, right? Isn't that the... I think so. I think yeah, that's I think the name of those Peacekeepers. It's been a decade since I've seen that yeah. show, so... Uh, like, about half of the Avengers in the comics all started out as villains. Hawkeye, Quicksilver, <laughs> Wonder Man, Scarlet Witch. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man. Absolutely. Uh, like, the list goes well, on and on. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, this one didn't occur to me. Xena, Warrior Princess. Seven of Nine from Star Trek. She was one of the board originally. Tertiary adjunct to Unimatrix Zero. Uh, Unimatrix One. No, Unimatrix One, sorry. Unimatrix Zero is the other thing. Yes. Uh, And I'll I'll add one more that uh, the entire Marvel comic, um, The Thunderbolts, is all about a bunch of villains either being forced to or trying to go good. Yeah. Um, Well, if they're being forced, it doesn't really count. If they do it on their own, then yeah. Some of them flip, right? For yeah. real. Yeah. Like some, some of, of yeah, flip. some of them are yes. like not like some of them are not genuine. They're pretending yeah. to be they're I pretending mean, to be heroes. Some of them flip to actual reformed. Yeah. I mean, well, the whole plot of the original of the original comic was that they were a bunch of villains pretending to be heroes. 
in order to fleece the entire world. Yes, but that still and makes that, them and, villains. And yeah. then and then and then two thirds of them decide we like being heroes more than villains. Yes. Yeah. That, and that um, is the part where they become reformed yeah. become reformed villains. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You gotta understand that reformed villain is probably my favorite. I love a good redemption story. So it's probably one of my favorite character archetypes. Is, oh, we're gonna have fun tonight then. Oh yeah. I will I will read any comic book about reformed villains. So, awesome. So that's an right. excellent start. Uh-huh. Jerry. What kind of things should we be right. working into our backstories for our reformed villain? Well, for the reformed villain, of course, the most important part is generally going to be about defining who were you as a villain. Um, if your game has levels, you're going to need to figure out if you were a low-powered villain that reformed, or once more powerful villain who somehow lost their power, or what happened. Yeah, like so perhaps you were like a like a demon, like in hell or something, or whatever, the hells or whatever, where um like you were super powerful, right? Maybe like I mean you had a demonic realm, whatever. Um, and then when you decided not to be a demon anymore, like your superior stripped you of power and then like cast you out from the hells. And now you're a low-level fighter looking to make it in the world and kind of forget your infernal past. And if your game doesn't have levels, then your background would be a little bit more straightforward. You were once a villain, and now you're reformed. Um, but what you want to do is take some time to figure out what kind of villain you were. You don't have to be the you know, absolute worst villain in the universe. You can just be somebody who did bad things um, and now isn't. It's going to have a lot to do, though, with the type of game and your campaign world. Yeah, and if you're like making your character and, you're, and you don't know a lot about this world... Um, this is a good place for you to talk to your GM and be like, hey, if I was going to be like a reformed villain, um, what would make sense for this world, right? So like if you're playing a superhero game, it's really easy to be like, oh yeah, you're a reformed bad guy. Um, you're a reformed villain who's now a hero. Yeah. But you know, the reason I brought up this thing about levels is like if you're playing D&D, it's hard to have formerly been Baron Von Badass and now also be a first level fighter without some right. explanation of like, why are you a first level fighter? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So your GM is going to be a good, a good resource for this. And again, if you don't really understand the world, like maybe you never played Ebron before and you're going to start a game in Ebron and you're like, oh, I really want to be a reformed bad guy. What would be good? Like yeah. what would be a good background or what, what group should I have come from or whatever? That's where your GM is going to come in and help out. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. So you want to consider a bunch of different things. First of all, what's your character's name? Obviously, um, are they using the same name that they used when they were a villain? Um, what kind of things did you do when you were a villain? When you were a villain, did you have any allies, henchmen? Who'd you work for? Did you have an arch enemy when you were a villain? Do they know who you are now? Exactly. So once you understand um the villain aspect of your past life you need to then decide like and figure out what made you reform right what's the event that made your character decide that being a villain was not what they wanted to be and and to reform um and then like as you think about what that inciting event was and how you reformed consider who was negatively affected by um you're reforming right like did you have allies that you turned on did you have henchmen that you abandoned when you were like well i'm out of this business see suckers right and you walked out the door to become a hero like did your uh criminal organization crumble did somebody possibly pick up the pieces or did you bring your minions with you like 
you know, perhaps yeah. like uh, like the movie uh, Despicable Me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. You know what? Gru, Gru is a perfect example of a reformed villain. I was Holy just cow. thinking we, we could have put Gru? Gru on. Yeah, Gru could have oh. been on the list as well. Yes. Da-da. Anyway. Um, <laughs> all right. So the next thing you want to think about, though, is now that you're reformed, what does it mean to be reformed? Are you not totally good? Are you an anti-hero? Do you have a vendetta against somebody for your past, whether they're good or evil? Exactly. Finally, what kind of challenges are you having being a reformed villain, right? Is your past public or do you keep it a secret? Um, Are you tempted by doing villainous things from time to time? Like, I mean, old habits sometimes die hard, right? Like you might, you know, maybe your first instinct is always to do the villain thing. Um, is something or someone from your past seeking you? You have done some bad stuff and kept some questionable company. Is any part of that, um, either is any part of that actually washing up on you or are you afraid it's going to wash up on you? Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. So with that background coming together, let's jump over to the GM side and talk about some cool story arcs that a GM could mine from this background. What do you think, Phil? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean... I, I, I'm with Jerry, right? The reform villains a um, is a great um, uh, mine of good ideas. Um, they're super compelling stories that can come from the reformed uh, villain. So your GM is going to have a lot to use. Um, and without a doubt, right, the best story arcs for these characters um, are the ones that compare and contrast their villainous past, right? Yeah. Um, when their villainous past um, and their current um, more heroic present um, are put into some sort of contrast. So we, there's no end to the number of arcs that we could have come up with, but we have put together uh, a list of um, just some ideas, some seeds that AGM could pull together uh, and, and pull into their campaign for like a character story arc. What do you got, Jer? Well, the first is that the reformed villain encounters someone or something they harmed when they were a villain. And now they have a chance to make it right if they want to. Which can be a nice uplifting story. Uh, assuming that the person who they try to make it right is happy to see them, right? Like, yes, they 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 may get a bittersweet, like they fixed it, and um, the person's still like, "You're a monster. I don't care if you fix this. Like, you ruined everything, right? Like, and just leave them with that kind of gut punch." I just realized um, there's an entire TV series about the reformed villain. My name is Earl. <laughs> That's the plot of the entire series is he's going around trying to make right all the wrongs he did in his past. I mean, he's kind of like a minor villain. Like he did some shitty stuff. Like, oh, yeah, some very shitty stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, here's another, here's another arc that you could use. Um, the character secret past to the villain as a villain is in jeopardy. When the party meets an NPC who once worked with the character uh, in her old days as a villain, uh, this works great if um, this works great if the public and or the party does not know the character's past. We're going to talk about in pitfalls mm-hmm. secrets, but for now, if that if if some if your past is not public to everyone, um, having someone jeopardize it is uh, is is makes for some good drama. Yeah. Um, the next one is you have a plot where an ally or former henchman is committing crimes. And now this character and their new party have to confront them and deal with them. Uh, yeah, that absolutely. Mm-hmm. It can cause all sorts of trouble. 
especially uh, yeah. if especially if they're committing crimes that are related to things that the villain did in their past. Yeah, I mean, one of your henchmen in the you know in the ruins of your departure is like picks up your mantle and goes forth. Like, mm-hmm. um, that's definitely. Um, I mean, that that's definitely a uh, one of those things that comes back and bites you. Yeah. All right. Um, the character runs into a former romantic interest from back when they were a villain. How does the romantic interest regard the character now that they are reformed? Right. Like, this is like this is good messy drama. Like this is, uh, this is always good. Yeah, uh, always good. Uh, next was the rest of the party's in trouble, and resorting to your villainous ways would be the easiest, fastest way to help them. Um, you know, do you resist, save them heroically, or do you give in to temptation? You know, something as simple as you've got a group of, of characters who, you know, never kill, you know, never kill, never torture, always, you know, and the easiest way to, hey, we've got this villain, an actual villain. What do we do? Well, the easiest thing to do would be to kill that, you know, well, you know, I have no trouble killing people. I did it all the time. Well, no, no, we shouldn't. Or maybe you have tremendous trouble killing people because I don't do that anymore. Exactly. Either one like, can be fun. Exactly. Right. Like yep. it's a, it's a good personal temptation struggle kind of thing. It's even more fun if the reformed villain no longer does that thing. And one or more of the party members is counting on their moral ambiguity to get them out of this. Like, well, we don't kill anybody, but you know, you did that one time. No, I don't do it anymore. Yeah, but you did. I mean, that's another messy situation to be fun to play with. Um, it's all, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yes. Um, last one I've got on the list here. Um, and again, could go through so many of these, right? Your villainous past crosses over with the past of another PC. Um, you're all, you know, this is the thing you're always going to check with the other player to make sure that's okay. Like this is kind of a group exercise. Don't just, uh, don't just jam this into somebody else's backstory. But um, you definitely want, like, you know, you can definitely make, um, like our opening, mm-hmm. you can make for some really interesting drama when that, com- when that revelation comes out. With that in mind, now, to go back to an episode from a couple of weeks ago, and you have, what do you do when, when you need to add characters, a character into a storyline? The ex-villain, now a, now a hero, is another great way to add a higher level character into a game, because the, you, you can have that several levels of their past be a villain thing and bring them in here as a tie into one of the PCs, a good way to get them into the game real quick without having to do a lot of backstory. Yeah. And this was, if the the other players are on, are on par with that. So this works well. Uh, Talking about that, um, that point about the party being in trouble and going your villainous ways. um, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Andy Fox brought up the uh, Lieutenant Suter, uh, Lieutenant Suter from um, Voyager, the Betazoid the murderer who gets left on the ship when the Kazon take over. Yep. And he's got to revert to his old murdering ways to, um, to help free the ship. Yep. Uh It's good. Good. uh, Um, Good example. That's good stuff. That is good stuff. All right. So clearly the GM is going to have plenty to work with if you do this right. So now let's flip back to the player again. What do they have to look out for when using this archetype, Jerry? Well, the most obvious is you don't want to have your character act like a villain. Having this in the background doesn't mean you get to go around and act like a villain. This is not a carte blanche to be that that player and that character. You're a hero and you need to act like it. 
it's going to be tempted, but in the end, you should act heroic. You can have your character <laughs> want to act like a villain, but always have them struggle and then act heroically. Um, and this is a, a, a tightrope you got to walk. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, we've seen too many people that have played the reformed villain and used it as an excuse to basically be chaotic neutral and run around being that, that, that I'm going to say it, being the asshole in the party. Yeah. Where instead, if you have something where your character wants to act like a villain, like this would be the kind of thing, no, I shouldn't do that. That makes for some good drama and it gives you a chance to, to act like it. And of course, as always, gives you a good chance to have good role playing with the other party members. So don't act like a villain, act heroically, but maybe you want to. Go ahead, Phil, next one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the next pit, big pitfall is betrayal. Um, having a villainous background creates the possibility that the character will just fall in with their old villainous allies or their old villainous ways and betray the party. Um, take it from me. Betrayal can be triggering for some people like me. Um, I have a big, big no-no about um, player on player um, betrayal, um, which, you know, when this gets, when this escalates can easily lead to PVP, whether you wanted it or not. Um, So it's really a, um, I I can't say enough. You can tank a whole campaign um, with this kind of, um, face heel turn um if you betray your party like it's one thing like we've said earlier it's one thing to resort to your villainous ways to help everyone it's another one if you like screw the party over like that rotten little thing in um farscape oh 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 the the emperor the muppet the muppet the muppet the muppet I would yeah. have shoved that if we were playing in a game, I would have taken that character and airlocked it like like episode two. Like yep. see you traitor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So betrayal, like I said, this is one that boy, when um if you spring it on people as a surprise, expect mm-hmm. there to be um expect there to be problems at the table. Yep. Cool. All right, what's the next one, Jared? Because it, it is falls very close to this one in terms yep. of disruption. If your character's background in secret, there are issues with having it be secret from the other party. Secrets are great for characters, but they are really terrible for players. Players are going to feel betrayed if you hide something that the villain has passed from them. Hiding it from their characters with consent is totally cool, and it can make for some cool drama. So it's okay to say, hey, my character is a villain. None of your characters know they're a villain, or there used to be a villain, but I want you as players to know this so we have something to work with. And to be honest, and this is just my experience, letting the other players know your secrets is almost always more fun than hiding it from them. It's, it's always more fun because if they know your secrets, they can create those interesting situations where you're constantly bumping up against those secrets without revealing them, um, gives you a chance to act on those secrets without it being a problem. Um, and it allows the players to conveniently ignore certain things that occur so that your secret remains. Players are much more paranoid than their own than the characters they play. Players always suspect everything in the game. And so if you start acting in a villainous or secretive way, chances are players are going to think that's a problem. But if they know it's a secret, then they can rationalize why their character would ignore that sort of thing and make it a lot more fun for everybody instead of everybody just constantly trying to, aha, I found your secret. No, you already know the secret. We're having a good time with it. Um, and I've been in a lot of games where players have secrets, sometimes conflicting secrets and we have a great time with 
kind of stepping right up to the precipice of one or the other one revealing it and then finding ways not to. And that becomes a great role-playing opportunity for the whole game and the GM too. Yeah. I mean, I, um, if you, um, if you include me as a player in your character secret, I will work to help to keep your secret. Um, In fact, I will make sure that my character purposely doesn't hear overhear things i will make sure that my character purposely misinterprets things um to keep that to keep that rolling um but correct if you keep it from me as a player i'm gonna be all up in that shit especially because having a secret also triggers fears of betrayal yeah right so like it becomes like a one-two punch like it's really not um it's just oh if there are a few things that you should ever avoid in games, right? <laughs> Surprise player betrayal and keeping secrets from players. I can't tell you um, from my 1980s, like from, from both my, from both my 1980s role playing and also having played so much Amber where there were so many secrets um, maybe in the after show, I will tell you um, an Amber game that resulted in tears um, yes. based on player betrayal, like it like nearly ended a gaming group um, for it. Terrible, terrible idea. I can't stress these things enough. Okay, finally, the other pitfall that we want to talk about, uh, and this one is for the GM, um, that it's a pitfall they need to look out for with this background, is having NPCs trust the character, right? Early on, this is like a fun little thing to explore, like, Oh, that guy used to be a villain. We don't like, you know, we don't want to trust him or work with him. But very quickly, that needs to go away. Yeah. Like that's a like that's a one session arc where the character has to like earn their way into like the group trusting him. And then like once that's done, like th- like never use it again. Like it's a um it's it's a very quick like thing you do to kind of rationalize the story and then get rid of it because. Um, if everywhere they go, everybody hates this PC, this this character, and like they can't work with anyone because no one will trust them because of their background, yep. it's gonna the character is gonna resent taking this background. Yep. Like mm-hmm. it's not the thing that they wanted to focus on. Um, it's not the thing they wanted to focus on for playing this background. It's going to be the thing that they're just, it's going to be a drag. Plus the party's going to be like, ah, we can't take this guy any, like we we can't take him to town. They'll Mm -hmm. run us out of town again. Right. So, or it'll get into things like you go sleep in the field while the rest of us go to the hotel because, you know, we can't bring your traitorous ass with us. It's just going to make a mess. So what you want to do is somewhere very early in the game, you want to like have a thing where you address this and then get it out of the way. Like just have a little arc and then people are like, oh, he's not so bad. See, he's reformed and then get, and then just be done with it. Yep. All right. So knowing what things to avoid, what are some player tips for playing this background? Well, Phil. Yeah. Okay. So um, obviously the first part is avoid all those pitfalls above, right? So don't do any of those things. Um, But here's a few more tips um, that we think will uh, let you have some real fun with this background. All right. First, Think like a villain. Um, ask for a bonus that's happening. You're trying to figure out what a villain is going to do next because of your background as a villain, you have some idea. You know, what would I do if I was just, oh, we're up against, you know, 
Baron Badass's minions and they're doing something in this area, what would Baron Badass have wanted me to do when I was working for him here? And the GM can give you a chance to give you a hint or a clue or something along that line. You think you take down those shields? I can if you get me on that planet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Finn. Mm-hmm. Yep. Finn is a reformed bad guy. Yes. This is true. Finn is a reformed bad Oh, so good. Yeah. So good. I mean, his reformation happens in the first few minutes of the um uh, of the movie, but if if we, you know, to go through his background, he was a stormtrooper. So Finn. Actually, I was in sanitation. <laughs> FN yeah. F, is isn't it FN2187? 2187? I think. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, next one. It's who you know. Uh, when the players need to find a contact of dubious background, a money launderer, fence, builder of high-tech, you know, questionable high-tech gear, uh, you know who to call. It's someone that you used to use in your past. This is I like the what... Raymond Reddington. Like, this is the yes. this is the Raymond Reddington move. Or I know Lando. Yes. Exactly. All right. Number three, working hard to be good. You can add some levity if your players player players get to see you rehearsing being good saying good things practicing mercy etc you know your character really wants to show that they're good and so you know uh the 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 former darth darth naughtiness is now walking around in his black power armor you know trying to give out little candies to every other little other little orphan kids um and you know trying to be good and of course they're either terrified of him or as kids are probably fascinated by him because he's, you know, big black scary monster and kids love that. So I'm just gonna warn you, I'm a hugger. Yeah. <laughs> perfect. Jerry, That's you need to throw the pencil to the other side of the room. Yeah, thank you. That's what I'm doing. I'm fidgeting. That's is he fault. fidgeting with something? I'm fidgeting with a pencil. That's what oh, it is. That's what Jerry. it is. I apologize. It's okay. Yep. I've done I've done my share of fidgeting on the uh, on the mics. That's exactly what it is. Thank you. Thank you whoever there we caught go. that. Thank you. Uh, okay, next the next uh, the next tip is oh no, it's the X. Um, work to complicate a scene by asking the GM to make a villain that you're facing a former romantic interest, and for some levity, allow the details of your breakup and any unresolved arguments to spill into the dialogue of the scene. That's beautiful. I'm I'm always in favor of that. Good times. Uh, <laughs> or multiple X is always even more fun. Um, Next, I have regrets. Create a dramatic scene with an NPC or a fellow character by talking about the remorse you have for some of the things you've done in the past, um, especially if they've directly affected that character. Um, you know, I, I'm sorry. I saw. I see now that what I did was wrong, or um, that was a different person, or anything along that line. Um, you have a chance to create some dramatic scenes. Um, and the key here in all of these, by the way, is don't solo any of these. Bring the other players into these things as oh, a yeah. player. You know, find ways to make your reformed villain, you know, if you're going to have a monologue about how sorry you are, apologize to one of the player characters. Get them in there. Oh, if yeah. You're gonna, if you're going to try to practice, um, if you're going to try to practice being a good guy, you know, make sure somebody's around to witness it or ask them for, you know, for help, you know. Um, so, so, you know, so what is this karaoke you speak of kind of thing? and go from there um but try to bring the other players in to make it so it's not just about you don't use don't use the ex-villain as a reason to kind of showboat and, and, and solo your character for most of the game so those are our thoughts yeah good stuff um mm-hmm. okay so that is our overview of the reformed villain background 
we're going to do what we normally do when we hit mid-segment. We're going to check in with the chat room, see if they have any questions. And uh, then we're going to find out their thoughts about Reform Villains. Uh, but first, Bob, tell us about another show on the Mistrector Mark Network. Yes, I would like to point out that we have a show called The Gnome Cast. Several of the gnomes from Gnome Stew get together and occasionally bring in outside guests to talk about gaming topics and themselves in an effort to entertain you and avoid being thrown into the stew pot. Good times. It's entertaining. Um, it's usually a fairly short form. It, uh, uh, it's not like a like an hour long uh, uh, adventure. It's uh, it's usually a, a a more digestible topic. Um, but a lot of good times. A lot of uh, they've had a lot of fun guest stars, uh, especially over the last you know dozen or so uh, uh, episodes. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe somewhere along the line, if you go back and listen to the back catalog, maybe you can find some clue as to the missing 21st episode. I don't know. I hear that's a thing. All right. So the chat room for life, chromatic chameleon, I believe pointed out another example of the reformed villain, um, which I had to stop and think about Remington steel. Anybody remember Remington steel? Oh my God. Of course. Yes. Remington yes. steel was like a grifter con man <sighs> who becomes the face of the detective agency that Stephanie Zimbalist is running. And, uh, <laughs> hilarity ensues because you know, that's what happened. Um, I used to love that. Am, show. Am I, that was a great show. Am I correct that both, uh, Remington steel and moonlighting, um, which, wind up being two great shows are built on a terribly sexist premise. And I don't mean yes. sexist. Yeah. Yes. If I remember correctly, both of those shows are built on the premise that, um, Oh no, they're slightly different. I'll take moonlighting yeah. out for a second. Yeah. Remington steel is built on the premise that um, Stephanie Zimbalist's character. Yeah. Who's like the real detective yep. needs a man to be the face of the company yeah. so people will take her seriously. Yeah, nobody was and taking her seriously as a detective until she decided to put the man in the front and then all of a sudden well yes. well, well, oh. well well she she no she pretends that there's a man running the company. Yeah. Right. But and then she finds but, a guy to fill in. No, no, she doesn't find him. He shows up one day and tells everybody he's Remington Steel and oh. she can't say he's not without blowing her cover. That's the whole oh. premise. That's how he's the con man. For a long time, she's running around telling people that there's this guy, Remington Steele, that runs the company, and she's just the detective. And then one day, he shows up, yeah. tells everybody he's Remington Steele, acts the part, has all the mannerisms that she talks about, and now she can't say he's not without blowing her cover and proving that she's been lying to everybody all this time. Got you. Okay. That, so, that's the con. That's the con. Yeah. So the the sad part is it's actually a pretty good 80s show it's built it on a terrible premise yeah, right terrible like it's premise. it's built yeah. on a premise that in the 80s some group of writers was like this is a great idea we'll yeah. get a guy like like yeah nowadays um, you drop that in the writer's room and people are like oh I don't know. you hope you hope they say that right like, yeah um yeah no um moonlighting's different moonlighting uh david addison's always been the detective and Maddie shows up because she owns the company, but she's like broke, like she's out of money or something. Um, and it's like one of the last holdings that I think like some, like I think her accountant embezzled all her money or something. Um, and it's like the last holding she has. Yeah, I, think I, that's totally, the I totally blanked on that. I, I don't remember how that one showed up. Yeah. I guess though they ended up as partners. That, that's yes. all I know about it. So but you, so you're probably 100% right on that. And then I'm sure they had the uh, the romantic tension, will they, won't they, throughout both of those shows. Cause... Oh. Oh, yes. 
Yes. Definitely in Moonlighting. Uh, oh, yeah. The moonlighting. Moon, the, the Moonlighting Shakespeare episode, by the way, is amazing. Oh, the Taming of the Shrew episode? The Taming of the Shrew episode, oh, yeah. yes. That's classic that's, 80s TV. The entire, epi- the entire episode is iambic pentameter. Yeah, they, that, uh, that's some serious, uh, that's some quality 80s TV. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Cool. Yeah, it's... um. It's really funny because it, it, it's those things that I think back to like, oh, man, I used to love watching Remington Steel. And then I like think back to like, all right, what was that show about? And then it's like, oh, man, really? Yep. Like problematic. Damn it, yeah. 80s. <laughs> like, I mean, he was shown as being the bad guy for doing that sort of thing. It's not like they like said, oh, what a wonderful person he is for for being the face of the company it was oh, no no it's it's not that part yeah. it's the part that it's the part that um she needs to pretend that there's a guy running the company because for um, yeah. for yes. anyone to take it seriously and that's not the yeah. only 80s um that's not the only 80s comma sla- uh, comedy slash drama mm-hmm. where i believe that's the case i'm pretty sure if i racked my brain a little we could find a few more movies uh, that fall into yeah. that same that same genre yeah i'm sure it was uh, it was a different era, and uh, there was problematic stuff going on. So no doubt, yep, that's very true. <clears throat> yep, rode right. the train right through it. Yeah, <laughs> joke, joke. Uh, All right, let's jump back into the second half of this thing, as we do with our roundtable discussion, starting with the following question. Sure thing. Uh, name a reformed villain that you have enjoyed in a game that you've either GM'd or played, or in media. Um, well, to start with media. For media, I've always liked Spider-Man's backup team. Um, for a long time in the late 80s, early 90s, Spider-Man had a whole bunch of people that he'd reformed as from villains. Um, Sandman, Prowler, Molten Man, Rocket Racer. Um, and all of them at different times were trying to make up for being baddies. Um, at one point, when Green Goblin had reformed, Spider-Man was using Green uh, Oscorp as a place like, hey, here's this, here's this, Reformed villain, give them a job. Okay, here they are. Um, thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, I just put my pencil out again. Um, I liked all those characters, and they they even got to be a backup team for him against the Sinister Six once. And there was even a brief time when uh, Sandman joined the Avengers as a reserve, reserve, reserve Avenger. And then when everybody was gone or captured, Sandman led the Avengers for two 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 issues. Because he had the most experience at actually, like, well, have, using his powers. It was him and a bunch of oddballs like Rage and a bunch of others that um, were there. And I, I just, I loved all those stories. Um, uh, Force was another one who ended up being a, an Iron Man villain and went to work for Iron Man. So I've always loved all those comic book characters. Um, in the game, um, Pathfinder, at least Pathfinder First Edition, um, has a goddess named Seren Ray, who is the goddess of vengeance but she's also the goddess of redeeming villains it's built right in that one of the big things that her her priesthood and her paladins do is try to redeem villains if you can get a villain to stop being a villain you forgive them and then they have to spend the rest of their life trying to do the right thing and if they screw up again you murder them horribly but so saren ray so like a party of saren ray characters could be like a paladin a cleric a succubus a ex-lich, whatever, you know, going through the whole thing. Um, so I had a half-orc in Pathfinder for the Wrath of the Righteous uh, storyline. Um, and his backstory was that uh, he'd been part of a marauding horde of orcs. And they got overwhelmed and defeated and taken to jail. 
and they're basically all going to be executed. And while there, he saw the light uh, because he was was taught by a paladin of Saren Ray, and he became a paladin of Saren Ray. And so now I had this this half orc who had been this horrible marauder and had spent the early part of his life just going around murdering and killing and looting, and now was trying to. He'd gone off to join the right, wrath of the righteous, which was all crusade to stop demons from coming up. Um, basically, as a I'm going off to do the right thing or die trying. We had a lot of fun with that because that GM did actually have things where we occasionally encountered people whose villages had been overrun by my horde and had to deal with that. Just a lot of fun to play. Um, and of course, being a paladin meant that I had a good excuse for why I constantly was doing the right thing. And uh, it, was, it was good. Plus, I always enjoy playing any character that's, that's involved with Saren Ray because a chance to redeem other villains is always a fun thing. So that's what I had. Bob? Cool. Uh, I honestly couldn't think of a reformed villain uh, PC hero type person in, in any of the games that we've done um, off the top of my head. So nothing going on there. But as far as media goes, um, and this is kind of, uh, some people might consider this to be kind of on the fringe because of the connection. But I, I've always been kind of partial to the Agent Venom version of Venom. Um, mm-hmm. where they take the symbiote and they bonded it with Flash Thompson and he would go out on, on military style operations bonded to the symbiote. Um, and I thought it was very interesting because, um, I mean, it was one thing when they took Eddie Brock and Venom together and they turned him into anti-Venom and, and, and tried to go the anti-hero route. It was, it was, it was all right. But this had, this had a lot more depth to it. Flash Thompson had, uh, had gotten wounded in combat um, and he lost, uh, the lower part of both of his legs. So he's confined to a wheelchair and then they bond him with the symbiote and the symbiote lets him walk. Um, he gets his mobility back. So you've got this whole, uh, this whole, uh, dealing with his PTSD and, and like being able to walk and then having the, the kind of the, the trauma return whenever he's not bonded, he's not on a mission. He's, he's, you know, he's back in the wheelchair. So you've got this dichotomy going on. Um, and then you've got a whole bunch of other, there was, there was a nice depth to those stories. Um, and eventually he went out into space and joined the guardians of the galaxy. And then weird stuff happened after that. I lost track of them, but, but it was an interesting (laughs) run. Um, and I thought that was a, that was a nice way to go with this classic, like seriously, evil for the sake of being evil it felt like venom for for the longest time um so that, that's the one that i enjoyed what do you got i think Phil? that totally counts well first i was supposed to yeah. say i think that counts because flash Thompson was a double reformed villain not only was venom reformed to become the flash was kind of a villain against spider against peter in the early days flash See, now, I, I don't consider flash to be a villain flash was a dick and he acted poorly a lot of the time but in general he was a good person Especially as he grew older, like when he was oh, in yes, high school, he was clearly a dick. But you know, yeah, you in, could in be high school, that. he was a, in high school he was a bully, and that makes him a villain. So, well, uh, you you could. Definitely I, I, I I oh no, I have a hard line on that. If you're a bully, you're a villain. That's, that's fine. It. That's fine. <laughs> but that's just me. No, but I like no. That was a good choice, though. Cool. Uh, for me, um, in media, my probably all-time favorite reform villain is Jason Bourne. Um, First of all, it combines two of my favorite things, which is um, super soldier mythology, uh, right? Like I love, I love the origin of Jason Bourne, um, and then in the um, in the three movie arc of Bourne, um, 
right? Like you find out, like, you know, he clearly by the, you know, by the B like middle of the first movie, he's like, I want to be a good guy. Right. He discovers at the end of the first movie that like, well, I probably was a bad guy. And then when you get to the end of the thing, and I, I think, I don't think we're at any spoiler level for Jason Bourne. Um, when you get to the end, you find out he willingly signed up for the conditioning that he went under. Yep. Right. Like David Webb, like David Webb totally was in for all of this. Um, and I just love Jason Bourne as a, um, as a reformed hero because he, or as a reformed villain, because he is um, one plagued by the bad actions of his past. Yep. Right. The second movie is like the second movie is all about um, his first mission and the fault, like the aftermath of like dealing with what, what he did in his first mission. Um, his past catches up to him and his girlfriend gets killed. Right. Like that's another, yep. um, another piece of it. Um, he goes after the people who made him only to find out that he willingly joined up. Um but still needs to put an end to it. Um, and he most often tries to get away from his um, villainous past. Um, he most of the time only knocks people out and doesn't kill anyone. And in the first movie, um, they're really good about it because every time he gets a gun, he like throws it away. Yep. Yeah. Like he's like, as soon as he gets a gun, he like takes it apart and throws it on the ground or he like throws it in the garbage can, whatever. Like he's, um, he's very much, um, trying to reform, but when pushed like that agent training kicks in and he's like, you know, full on Jason Bourne. So it's like easily my favorite. I will watch Jason. I will watch Jason Bourne movies. And I guess, I guess the other one, man, we've like so many, we didn't put on here. John wick, John wicks a reformed villain. He gives up the whole gig. He's living his quiet little life when they kill his dog. And then he, like he digs at, I mean, he literally digs up his past, yep. right? Like goes to the basement, digs it up and becomes an anti-hero um, and just tears his way through that whole mob. God, I love that movie too. Now, now that we're thinking of it, um, the, the, uh, the Hauser character from the original Total Recall Schwarzenegger, he's a bad oh, guy yeah. working for Cohagen. Yeah, and volunteers for the for the whole undercover op, <laughs> and ends up at the, at the end being a good guy. Go to recall, recall. Yeah, Get your ass um, my um, my RPG one is actually from a games on demand. I played at Gen Con a few years ago, maybe 2015 or something. I was uh, playing Worlds in Peril. I think I was in and, that game. Yes, and I I I purposely picked up the reformed villain. And in our first uh, combat, I asked if the person we were fighting could be my ex-girlfriend. And actually, if you were in that game, if you remember, the GM was like, why? Yeah. Because and I was like, interesting. why? <laughs> like, like, because this is going to be fun. Like, yeah. This GM was like, I don't understand why you want the, the, like that character to be your ex, like your ex, like your ex-girlfriend. And I'm like, ah, uh, go with me like yeah, yeah. just run <laughs> this is gonna be yeah it was really that was a very interesting moment of hanging something out there that i thought was gonna make the scene a lot more fun and the gm was like dead to it <laughs> it was just anyway i did have actually fun playing it because he did eventually um acquiesce and play the ex-girlfriend and we did let uh much like that tip above that we put in there um we did let things about the relationship bleed into the superhero dialogue during the fight. 
which was great. Yeah. Um, so, because it was a very, I think it was a very, um, it was a very human breakup that was getting discussed in the middle of the superhero fight, like yeah. while people are flinging cars and spiders and stuff at each other. <laughs> Snakes or spiders or something. I forget that that was like her gig. Anyway, that's uh, that's question one. All right. Question two. What challenges would you have playing this background? Yes, I would say the, the, the challenge for me would be how hard to hit it. You want this to be a thing, but you don't want to overplay it like you want to you want to emphasize like this is where I came from. And and like I used to do this and now I'm doing this. But like how hard you don't want to overdo it. You know, you don't want to you don't want to shove it in everybody's face in every single scene because that's just too much. That's overcut. You got to find the balance. That'd be that'd be what I would think. Yeah, I'm going to tack right on to what Bob's saying, um, which is very close to what I what I had as well, which is um, there's a point where you need to let this background go. Um, there's a point when your character is more defined by your actions as a hero yep. and less about your actions being a reformed villain. Right. And there's like a tipping point in the story where um, you used to be the reformed villain, but now you're just a hero. Yep. Like you've resolved you've kind of resolved whatever storylines you're going to have about your, your, um, your past. Mm -hmm. And now it's really just your past. And as a GM, help the player get that moment where like they're standing on the bridge and they're holding the school bus full of kids and keep Mm -hmm. it from going over into the water and killing all the kids. And they pull the school bus back up onto the bridge, full media coverage, like the fantastic four movie, you know? Like and everybody's there and sees this person do this hugely heroic thing. Help them get that moment. Yeah, yeah, that that works best to get it to that point. I mean, think about it. Nobody thinks about Marvel Comics Hawkeye being a villain anymore. Right. That is so right. far of the past. It's something that people don't even consider. That's not part of their arc anymore. I think it's a good idea. I mean, that's the same thing with um, that's the same thing with the Scarlet Witch in Avengers too, right? Hawkeye has that that speech with her. Mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter what you did in your past if you walk out that door yep like you're one of us now like mm-hmm. that's him telling the like that's him telling the audience right yep. like yep. we're we're gonna be done with the scarlet witch as a bad guy yep yep that works yeah yeah and mine kind of ties into that which is don't be too model melodramatic don't keep falling back on the I used to be evil. Woe is me, kind of thing. That gets that gets very old very quickly. Um, so you want to make sure not to constantly bring it up. Don't make it the focus point of every interaction with your character. You should be there. Should be more to your character than just I'm a reformed villain. Mm-hmm. And do something with it. Build that up. Yep. Use it as a base, but then build it from there. So have some growth. Yep. Yeah. All right, so that brings us to question number three. What challenges would you have GMing a player with this background? Uh, For me, it's just making sure that I have enough good places for the player and the party to make the hero versus villain choice. You don't want it to be every game, but it should come up often enough to be fun and make it fun for everybody where you have that thing going on. So that's pretty much Uh, it. Just have have those places. Yeah, for me, um, I think it's... um, not having every villain know the character and have a grudge. Like it, it's fun for a little while to have that, you know, like, Oh, you were so-and-so right. And like, you know, have that grudge or that point of contention or whatever, but like sometimes 
villains don't know each other, right? It's not like a, yeah. it's not like a, you know, it's not like a complete social club where all villains know each other. Sometimes, you know, the villain that's operating in an area has no idea who this person was and doesn't even care. Uh-huh. Like, I don't even care who you were, right? Like, whatever. Um, because if everybody recognizes, like, if every villain recognizes the character, it, it's like, it's kind of a cliche. Yeah. So you want to, um, you want to like know when to push onto it and when to, you know, like just let it slide. Exactly. I think that's, I think that's kind of the, the thing to, uh, to kind of, for me, that would be kind of the thing to modulate. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right. Cool. Well, that was our first background check. Yeah. Let us know on social media, like where in the, you know, in Slack on Twitter, whatever, like, let us know if you like the segment. Um, and throw us out some backgrounds if you did like this segment that you'd like to see us do next. We'll do um, kind of like we did with the, um, uh, the adversary, adversary file. file. Thank you. Uh, background check. We'll just like we'll use this kind of format for plugging in, um, you know, different backgrounds. Like I'll, I'll give you one just, you know, off the top of my head. Right. Um, the um, amnesia character. Oh, that's good. I like right. I like here's my background. Who am I? Like, I don't know. I just showed up here and I don't know anything. Um, like, that's another one that we could do a background check on um, by way of showing, like, what are the pitfalls to playing this? And what are the storylines and all that kind of stuff? I, I like that. I read a whole I read a whole mini story arc where that was the that was the background of the entire party. I mean, Jason Bourne is also this yep. character. Yes, that's true. Jason Bourne is that character. <laughs> Jason, yes. Jason Bourne there starts without any. That's why you love it so much. I mean, <laughs> I love it. I've done. I actually did a. um just as a quick side before we jump out of here, I, I no, you know what? Do the wrap the thing. And then before we jump to the conversation corner, I'll tell the thing I was talking about. Yeah. Did right. we say all the things? We said all the things. So oh, okay. The, then I'll, let me do it. I'll do it right now. Yep. So I once did this um, as kind of a uh, RPG experiment and by no means was it original. I think everybody has tried it at one time or another, but I was playing like a little one-on-one game um, with a friend in high school and basically gave them a blank character sheet for a ninjas and super mm-hmm. spies character and was like, you wake up in a hospital. Right. Mm-hmm. And then like, as they tried to do stuff, I would be like, Oh, cool. Um, right. Pick locks as one of your skills, right. Right. Drive like that kind of thing. Yep. Um, I've heard all sorts of like, people have done all sorts of amnesia stories. Mm-hmm. Um, Corwin of Amber yep. starts as an amnesia story. Yep. Um, which is actually pretty good because Corwin of Amber does it. Zelazny does it with Corwin to help the reader yeah. um, get into the switch from the real world into um, the fantasy world. It's actually a pretty good literary tool. Yeah. Um, it's kind of cliche in other areas. It totally works for the, um, for the beginning of the Amber Chronicles. Like it's a really nice way to kind of ease into, um, into it. God, I, I read those, I read a couple of those last year at the beginning of the pandemic and just thinking back, like, oh, I could, like, I could read them again. It's been a long like, time since I read Oh, them. it's such a, I, I have fond memories of um, both that game and, uh, and those books. So, although boy, can I tell you some things you should never yeah, do yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh boy. So Andy's got an example of a super intelligent book smart person but no real world experience. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always yeah, that's fun. a that's a character concept. That's the um yeah, the super genius. Super genius but never out of the lab. Yep. Uh-huh. Oh, I should listen to Amber. 
Oh, who yeah. narrates the Amber Chronicles, like the audiobook? I think didn't Zelazny do that? No, Zelazny's been dead for like forever, hasn't he? I don't know. I remember who had the one because that, that's how I got the two Amber books. Was the two that I listened to were read. I, they were read by somebody, somebody Ooh, famous. Wheaton. Oh no, Will Weston. Will Weston reads the second half. Is that the Merlin Chronicles? I like the Merlin Chronicles too. The Mer- Merlin Chronicles get like oh, Will Wheaton. What is Will Wheaton? Oh yeah. The Merlin Chronicles get like right up, like straight up weird. Um, yeah. The first, the first Chronicles are like, well, this is some like this is some strange fantasy stuff, and then you like flip to the Merlin Chronicles, and you're like, well, this is just this is the this is definitely the second campaign that's being run in this world. Like yep. it's straight up weird now. People decided to really flex their muscles. I'm gonna make this uh, supercomputer. <laughs> Call it Ghost Wheel. Oh, Ghost Wheel is one of my favorite characters of all time, though. Uh huh. Yeah. All right. Fond well, memories. We should jump on into the conversation corner then. So let me hit the thing with the thing in the place. All right. So, yeah, we mentioned uh, Star Wars Visions up at the top. I watched the first three. And uh, it, it much like Jerry, the, the very first episode, it's called The Duel, um, is so good. Um, it's black and white with a little bit of color strategically placed color um and it is a perfect example of the japanese influence on storytelling that uh that george lucas took into his films um it's it's such a good episode and it also you know it plays with tropes um which was so refreshing i was like oh i know where this is going and then it's like but i didn't (laughs) surprise oh nice so yeah that was pretty cool um secondary characters are good in that episode too. oh yeah there's so a cool bunch of, uh, so cool when, when you look and see people uh scattered across this village um when you get to see close-ups of like different races species from the star wars universe and and, and it's like oh i recognize that one. Oh, i recognize that one um so yeah very very cool um Going in, there are certain styles of anime that I'm not a huge fan of. Um, and the third episode, The Twins, um, kind of leans into one of those ones that is not my favorite. Um, and that one was not as tight, in my opinion, as the first two. Um, very much looking forward to watching the rest of the episodes because it's it's an interesting... It's, it's other people's interpretations of Star Wars from a culturally different uh, uh, perspective. And um, I, I think is I think it was a great idea and I hope they do it again. I hope they make more. Give me season two, three, four, whatever. Just keep doing them because I think it's a really cool idea. Um, having, having watched the first five, episode three is by far the weakest. And while it's still fun, it's by far the blandest. It, it, it is exactly what you think somebody would write if they were going to write a Star Wars story kind of thing. It's very much, it's it's like if the EU was well-written. It's basically what it comes what it comes down to. Still not bad, but it's, yeah. it's very bland. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, looking forward to another episode of Lower Decks this week. Um, the show, just we're going to continue to rave. We, we should probably just put a disclaimer at the beginning of the conversation corner. All three of us love Lower Decks and we're enjoying the hell out of it. And yeah, that's because <laughs> we're, we're going to say the same thing every time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what yeah. if um, apparently um, uh, potentially spoilery but um, 
the last two episodes of the season of What If are a, it's a two part finale. Oh, and it builds off the final scene from the episode from last week. So oh, interesting. Yeah, so okay, pay attention. Um, and there is a missing episode, which I forget why they said they took it out, but there's another episode, um, which was, um, Iron Man ending up on Sakaar <laughs> instead of Thor was, and fighting I was the, wondering the tournament of champions. I was wondering about that because there's a Lego set, which is Iron Man, Sakarian armor. Yes. Um, and they pushed that back to season two and I forget what the rationale was for it, but they, and that one is... From all from everything I've seen uh, about it, is if you thought um, Party Thor from last week was was the the lightest episode with a lot of fun and 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 the change of pace from all the darkness of the other ones, <laughs> like Iron Man on Sakaar is like the funny episode, is what. It oh, was I, I mean, I I mean, I could see why, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So that should be interesting, but um, but yeah, it, I, I'm look very much looking forward to the finale of the season to see how they how they do this thing but uh, like i knew some of the stuff that was coming up because you could piece some of it together um and they totally spoilered the hell out of it with a uh i think it's a hyundai commercial it's an automobile commercial with with uh what if uh characters in it and they totally totally spoilered up the place <laughs> it's so oh. it's fun oh, i'm glad i don't pay attention to those things yeah um so yeah, that's that's my my TV. Uh, continuing to watch Kipo, which is just refreshing and fun. Um, condo stuff continuing. The plumbing. I've got a. I got to call Lowe's tomorrow and check on the status of the replacement doors that I'm getting for all my closets. The sliding doors. Find out what the hell's going on there because uh, they were back ordered. They had to get some stuff from the factory. Um, and then um, twice now I have used the Wegman Scan app. To do my grocery shopping, one. and that—that oh, that is you're, just that—that's the shizzle, man. That's that. so you're talking to the guy who's been using it all pandemic long. Yeah, right? yeah, like exactly. I'm, I'm like an evangelist for this app. For people who don't know what this is, I'll um, do. I mean, you yeah, tell go ahead. What is it? So okay, so the Wegman Scan app is an app that um, once you're inside Wegman's, you uh, you activate the app on your phone. And then uh, using the camera of your phone, you just, uh, as you're shopping, you scan all your barcodes and put your groceries in the cart. And when you are done shopping, um, you just go up to one of the unmanned kiosks and scan the barcode on it with the app and it transfers your order to it. You pay and you leave. Yep. Um, and, it, and it takes out all the lines yep. from having to like stand in line at the end of grocery shopping. Oh, it's glorious. It removes it's any of the bagging issues that you may have had with with uh, people who who are not good at bagging or just don't care because um, you bag it yourself. Um, yep. Yeah, it's it's just glorious. I love it. Sam, yeah, I I've Sam's used it. The same thing. So. I've used it all pandemic long, and um, and I while I will say this while I'm while I am cognizant of it being shadow labor in that it's taking um work from a cashier and putting it on you um in the face of the pandemic i have really liked it for the fact that um i don't have to stand in line with people i don't have to really interact with anyone i don't have to put a cashier in any jeopardy by um breathing on them them breathing on me kind of thing i just like do my shopping um hit the kiosk pay and leave yep um so i'll I'll, I'll be honest as somebody 
even if all the registers were open and we weren't in a pandemic, this is still how I prefer to shop. I, I mean, that's I fine. That's a that, that's a preference. I was a cashier. I was a cashier at a grocery store for eight years. So, so I'm years, yeah. I'm uh, what's called I'm, you know, I don't know if I want to say cognizant or sensitive or whatever, but like I like like I get what I mean, I get what Wegmans is doing. It's a form of shadow labor. And it's why when they had the unmanned kiosks in the beginning, um, I wouldn't use them. Right. Like I would just go to a, a cashier and cash out kind of thing. But since the pandemic um, where standing on lines um, isn't, you know, is a risk and whatever. Um, I've been a much bigger fan of this app um, and they make it really easy. Like if you're, if you're weighing, if you're weighing fruits, you can just scan the barcode that's on the, on the um, scale. It's really, it's really easy. They, they put a lot of thought into it and it, and it works. And, and, you know, like that. Um, here's the thing though, when you stop and think about it, all right. There, yeah, you got the whole thing about shadow labor. But if you look at it now, there are people that are never going to use the app and they're never going to use the self-checkout. Oh, sure. They're always going to go to a regular cashier. Okay. Uh-huh. And then there are other people that are like, I'm always going to go to the express checkout because I want to do this thing myself. I want to handle uh-huh. it myself. Like these are these other people, they never yep. pack my bag properly, blah, 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 blah. Right. My big pet peeve is that in my opinion, Self-checkout, especially if there's a small number of self-checkout stations, self-checkout should be like an express lane. If you have Mm -hmm. two large carts full of stuff and you're going through self-checkout, you're clogging up the system. That's my opinion. Like, whatever. Most most stores have, like if you go to Walmart, it's 20 items or less. That's it. You cannot go to self-checkout if you have more than 20 items. So That's far, it. every Wegmans that I've seen it in has not had any restrictions at all. No, Wegmans And does I've not. seen people go through with the two giant carts full of stuff. Mm-hmm. And A, they're yep. taking up a whole bunch of space, blocking the aisle, whatever. They're taking up that station for like way longer than everybody else. Um, mm-hmm. And is it valid for them to sure that this is, there's no restrictions, whatever. I just feel like it should be like treated like an express lane. But you've yeah. got now, you've got three options, and everybody's going to kind of fall into their own little niche of, of how they like to do it. And to me, it takes some of the strain off of the original thought where it's like, all we have is cashiers. We've got 15 lanes, but we've only got four cashiers. Everybody's yep. backed up. There's like huge backlog of, of people just blocking the aisles and because they can't get through the lanes because there's only four people mm-hmm. and if they've got staff shortages whatever now you've got these other options that help keep everything flowing and yep. get people in the store and then a important back out again the longer yep. it takes you to get in and out of that store the more problem you're going to have when it comes to something like a pandemic situation or, or any kind of thing like that. It's like, get people in and out, man, make a move. Mm-hmm. And anything well, I mean, that helps I, that. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm always in favor of yeah. that. Again, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of it right now. I wouldn't have been a big fan of it before, but like, but like in pandemic times and now kind of just the new, you know, like just thinking about it, those kind of ways. Yeah. Like, I really do like that. Like I go through the store, um, and I never worry about me bagging stuff because again, I was a cashier for a year, eight years. I'm great bagger. Yeah, right. Yeah. So like well, that's, I bag that's, I bag that's my the problem stuff. though, is that a lot of new cashiers are not good baggers and they're not teaching them how to bag it very well anymore. 
So I mean, I keep... what, what, what frustrates me is when I've got stuff lined up on the on the, the conveyor. Yes. It's obvious I've got this stuff and this stuff and this stuff. And some cashier is going to reach. I'm like, and I'm like, over stuff. No. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm like, no, bag what I've got here. I'm not. No, I do. I, I mean, I do this. I do the same thing. Like when I used to put things on the conveyor belt again, as um, as a former cashier, I would bet, you know, I would bag it in terms of like all my cold stuff, my non like all my cold foods my non-foods, my regular groceries, my vegetables, my squishies, like in order, like don't break the order of this. Like I want these basically in bags in this order. And if you're at the register, put your phone away. If you're a cashier, don't keep looking down at your phone while you're bagging my stuff. Yeah. I I, I mean, you've got a special knack for finding the people that are problematic too, Jerry. You've got like a gift because I have never, ever in my entire time of going to the grocery store, ever seen a young anybody but especially the young people i have never caught a young person being irresponsible at the register they've always been doing their job oh, not thousands at upon thousands of trips to all kinds of grocery oh. stores oh. like i've top, never seen top, it tops is famous for it the <laughs> tops near me is famous for it uh where where they're like arguing with their boyfriend on their phone while they're also oh no i've never trip. seen that at a wegmans uh, like or 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 flirting, or flirting with the bag boy uh, well, I mean, I, look, I flirted with my share of. Yeah, but do that on your own time, man. Bag, bag my stuff and go. I bag, I, I bag stuff and flirted. All right, and before said, we get too said, much farther down the grocery store, uh, yeah. uh, uh, oh, that's rabbit hole. That's a hot button for me. Yeah. So that, that's enough about me, Jerry. What about you? <laughs> I'm just gonna say I love lower decks because I think that Phil is gonna go into it more. So I'm gonna say I love lower decks. It's worth it. Go see it. I love it. I laughed. It was great. Um, disco. Uh, I'm now. Uh, midway through season three, and yep. so I'm really enjoying it a lot. Uh, and uh, it just was a lot of fun. We did a Lego night again this week, which was um, every other week we do a, a thing here at my house where I invite people over and we just you build, bring Legos, build whatever you want to build, or just we sit and chat and we we have geek night basically chatting around. We'll sometimes watch some TV and laugh. And uh, I'm slowly building a big Lego set, it's gonna probably take me another two more Lego nights, it's gonna probably be like a like a, a 12 to 16 hour build. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, is it a name? Is it a named set or are you? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's the Academy square, which is the, uh, if you've seen the Lego every year, Lego puts out a building for the cityscape. This is a double wide three building, um, like courtyard thing with, uh, it's a coffee shop, a flower, a flower shop and a bakery with a dentist, an apartment, and something else above that. There are three three-story buildings that make a, a square around a um, a fountain and everything else like that. So they're very detailed and lots of gubbins and everything. So it's a lot of fun. Um, I just, we have a good time with it all the time. Nice. Um, yep. Uh, enjoyed football this week. Uh, it was on Fox, so I couldn't get it at my house. So Bob invited me over and we sat and we watched some very good football. Um, and lastly, I watched... Uh, Squid Game on Netflix and loved it. It is dark. It is not for everybody, but it is a really fun TV series. You like this? It's basically um, it takes place in Korea, and you can get it either dubbed or subtitled. And basically, a bunch of people who are heavily in debt for various reasons are offered a chance to play six children's games. They don't know what they're going to be, but once you sign up, you have to stay with it till the end. If you win, you win the grand pot, which is something like 45 billion uh, with a B one, which comes out to be something like $20 million. Um, and the winners split whatever the money is at the end. 
Um, every time somebody is eliminated, the money goes up. And if you don't, if you don't play the game properly, you are removed from the game with extreme prejudice. In other words, people get killed out of there. There's 450 people in this thing. Um, like the first game is red light, green light run by a <laughs> creepy doll. And when they say red light, if you're still moving, they just shoot you dead. Um, oh man. And right, the game's very just dis- very dystopian. dystopian and the games get more and more complicated from there. But the story is really about some of the characters, why, what put them in the situation they're in, who they are, um, how they begin to form things, how they begin to realize that it's more important to kind of save your soul than win or even survive. There are some characters who are just like, listen, it's either you or me. I'm going to die because you're a better person than me. And um, you deserve to go on and maybe, you know, get your brother out of that orphanage or whatever. And um, maybe the real some... game show is the friends we find along the way. Yes. The real, <laughs> the, the real game show is the friends we kill along the way. Yes. Um because some of the some of, and that's they don't know what game they're getting into with each game, so they'll do things like okay, separate yourself from the groups of ten. Okay, now you're doing this game. Okay, everybody get a partner. Okay, in this next game, you're playing against your partner. Whoever loses dies, which gets creepy when you have things like oh, husband and wife get teamed up together, that kind of thing. So it's it's dark, and there's also a secret of who's doing this and why. And there's a subplot about a uh, somebody's infiltrating the infiltrated the corporation from the outside trying to so it's it's a fun dark dystopian it's it's exactly the kind of of completely off the wall uh mini series that i enjoy watching um i enjoyed last year's green zone which was also um dark and twisted and a lot of fun so um i would recommend it if that sounds like the kind of thing you'd be interested in i'd recommend it if you don't have a stomach for blood or gore and you want lots of happy, happy, happy endings. This is not a show. This is not like. Don't watch it's, this. Yeah, no, no. It's 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 very dark. Uh, it does have sort of a happy ending, but it's still dark. So I'll, I'll give you that. So Phil. Uh, yeah. So um, what if I totally enjoyed what if um, I actually enjoyed what if a lot. I think that's probably my third favorite one of the series. Um, I had a lot of I had a lot of laughs during that. Uh, that what if it was like, awesome. it was hellishly fun. Um, lower decks. Um, reaches uh so the episode's fantastic and i don't want to give anything anything away about the episode but um to legitimize lower decks in a way that makes it absolutely 100 percent a um star trek tv show uh the great jeffrey combs um appeared uh voiced a character on the show um (laughs) i can only hope that somehow this character will return um but it was fantastic. And it is, um, there is no mistaking his voice. Nope. Like it's iconic, especially if you are a DS nine or enterprise fan, like there is no mistaking his voice whatsoever. Um, is so good. So it was a lot of fun. And actually it had a nice twist because, um, uh, I'll just say, I thought Mariner was right. And it was fun to find out Mariner was wrong. Like, yep. Surprise. Um, and I think it, I think it coins a phrase, right? You got Boimerd. Boimerd, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Boimerd, Boimerd, yes. Um, very funny. I, that that show is. Um, if you are a Trek, if you are a Trek fan and you're not watching that, like, if you're a Trek fan and you're not watching that show yet, you are in for a treat. Like, 
it is just so much fan service. Like it's a actually pretty good stories. Like they're actually mm-hmm. pretty good Trek stories, but the fan service component of it is just so good. And I don't know if you saw any teasers. I saw a teaser on Twitter for this week's and yep. it looks hilarious. Um, so the number of clips that I saw that was like, that's from that thing. That's from that thing. Like it's going to be another one of those nights. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, with Shira finished, I had to go find something else to watch. So I just kind of like racked my brain. I was like, what are some series that like I never got to watch? And so like a couple of years ago, uh, there was a series, The Last Ship on on TNT. Uh Um, So I started watching that. I just finished the first season of that this week. Um, That's a good show. Um, My My wife Lily loves that show. She watches it all the time. Yeah, it's um, I mean, first of all, uh, you know, trigger or content warning. Um, it's about a pandemic. So um, it's about a pandemic and the crew of the like basically last naval ship as the world is being decimated in a pandemic. So uh not the lightest of material. No. Uh, but it's really good. Uh it also stars um, I forget the actor's name. Um he was um he was a doctor. Uh he was um uh, he was a doctor on um, Grey's Anatomy, um, McSteamy. Forget his actual character's name, um, but the actor, like I like that actor. I liked him on Grey's Anatomy. Patrick, Patrick Dempsey? No, 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 not that's McDreamy, the other okay. guy, his buddy. Okay. His buddy with the white hair. He was the plastic surgeon. If if you watch the show, um, I'll I'll dig around later. Uh, anyway, he's the he's the captain of the boat. Um, and I really liked, like I said, I liked him on Grey's Anatomy and I really like him on this show too. Um, it's good. If you like military, if you like military fi- um, fiction, it's good. Um, my dry spell for reading um, finally broke. I uh, got some reading in. I was reading Cortex Prime uh, by Ooh. the great Cam Banks. Um, oh, I really like this game. <laughs> um, but I, I, I will gush about it at a later time. But um, for the problems I've had with reading for the longest time, and Friday night, I sat down, made a cup of tea, cracked open the book and read for the read for an hour, which is the first time it's the longest I've read like that in about two years since since the early pandemic. And um, it was really nice to sit and read um, and just enjoy, uh, enjoy a book um, without zoning out or having trouble or, you know, flipping on to uh, um, TikTok. I also played a little bit of Minecraft. Um, also helped coach Chris as he uh, fired up a vanilla version of Minecraft and was like, well, let's figure out how this game works. And I was like, well, okay, let's, let's give you at least some advice to survive your first night kind of thing. So uh, that was kind of fun. Um, I also installed iOS 15, which isn't normally something I geek on about, but iOS 15 added this feature in called um, the notification center where you can, um, you can tell the app that there are certain notifications I do not need to I do not need to receive when they come up and that you can just bundle them and send them to me at designated times during the day. So it knows like to let certain apps through like text messages and things like that. But then it takes things like from like my Sonic or Burger King app and holds them and waits till like certain times of the day that I specified and then rolls them up into a bundle and says, oh, do you want to look at any of your other notifications for today? And I got to tell you, my phones are so quiet now, thanks to that feature. Like, they're not just like binging all the time. Like, 
text messages, Slack messages like Jerry just sent, like come through all the time. But all the other nonsense from those other apps, I, I have them just roll those up and like three times a day, you can show me those. It's great. I'm a huge fan of this feature. I don't normally gush about an iOS feature, but it's really good. Um, and hopefully Android will adopt uh, something very similar because so. it, is, be nice. it is really nice to not have my phone blowing up with things like, did you know if you spent five more bucks, you could get a Starbucks, you know, gold, whatever. Like, no, I don't give a shit. Or, hey, you know, $5 Whopper day. Like, I don't know. Also don't care. <laughs> right? Like, I don't want to... I don't want to kill notifications. I just don't always want to see notifications. iOS 15. I'm impressed. Like that's, that's a pretty cool feature. And you just get to go down the list. You can just basically tell like app for app. You can just be like, yes, this app can talk to me whenever. No, this app cannot. Right. And you can turn them on. You can turn them off. You can switch them, all that stuff. All right. That's enough. We should roll on out. All right. All that right. brings us then to the Patreon shout outs. Thank you so much to the old school DM, our very own Mad Wizard, Sean Merwin, Troy Sandlin, Zach Goins, Chris Constantine, Cindy Moore, Eric Simon, Mirko Frolik, Andrew Demps, and Brandon Barnes. And thank you to everyone for listening tonight. If you are free on Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. The Queen's time, come join us live on Twitch, where you can chat with the other awesome listeners. Uh, in the chat room for life and ask us the occasional question. And if you can't make it to the live show, check out our podcast each week wherever you get your podcasts. And take a listen to some of the other shows in the Mr. Dark Network, such as They're a Super Geek, Mastery Dungeons, Goldstone Obsidian, The FM Gamers, Panas Talking Games, The Gnomecast, Jean Gu Hustle, The Lounge, Bonus Experience, and back episodes of She's a Super Geek. You can and should also check out their Simply Podcasts, Tabletop Bellhop, The Knights of the Night, and the always amazing gaming and BS. Before you reveal your villainous nature to the rest of your party, send us some feedback. You can reach us directly in the old-fashioned emails, mmp at misdirectedmark.com. Hit us up on Twitter, the show, and the network is misdirectedmark. He's Robert M. Everson. He's GM Gerrymander. And I am DNA Phil. If you like what we do here and on the other shows in the Misdirected Mark network, you can support our Patreon campaigns. MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games are at patreon.com slash MMP. Django Hustle is at patreon.com slash Django Hustle. And Bonus Experience is at patreon.com slash bonus experience. Patrons of MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games get access to the after show, pre-production show notes, musical parodies, the Bamboo Lounge, and other special releases. This has been a Mr. Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Mic drop. We out.